And Saturday morning rolls around once again. Hey, welcome everybody. Last inside the outdoors before the Christmas break. And uh, it's a good one this week because we've got a major issue that we've got to talk about. And we will indeed talk about that with our in-studio guests this morning. Uh, We'll also talk about some fishing because I know over the holiday a lot of you guys will get out and enjoy the outdoors. Or maybe uh, maybe you'll take the boys out rabbit hunting or the girls, I guess. That's possible, too. Uh, I know that's kind of something that over the holidays has always been a tradition in my house, especially with the younger kids. Uh, You give them a twenty-two and let them get out there and plank away or a BB gun uh, if if they're that young. But anyway, just an opportunity to get out and enjoy the outdoors and I'll tell you what, for me, some of my best memories were made over the Christmas holidays. So uh, I hope, again, that you'll get a chance to avail yourself of what's going on. Our weather starting to cooperate. I know we're supposed to get a little bit of snow between now and Christmas, and maybe things will cool off a little. But I got to tell you, for December, we're doing pretty well right now. Don't put the boat away. If you are, if you are looking at some of the lower elevation still waters, This is a great time of year to fish, and they are open. They're not frozen over, so there's an opportunity. Or down south, you want to head down south, you've got that great chance to to maybe pick up some nice fish down there as well. So, again, this is the time of year. Hopefully, you've got a little time off work, and I just encourage you to get out and and avail yourself of our our outdoors in the state. Uh, If you're looking for something for somebody on that list for Christmas, how about a fishing license or a combination license or whatever? small game license, any of those things, great, great value for your dollar. And you're going to help out the uh, the state as well because we need that money in the coffers. So, again, we've got a great chance to be participants in, um, in one of the real resources we have for living in this state, and that is the outdoors. Now, let's talk about today's program. Uh, I am joined in studio by a very special guest. The chairman of the Utah Shooting Sports Council, Clark Opposian, who uh, has been in the news more this week than normal. And we get to see and hear him occasionally. But this week in particular, we have an issue that we want to bring before you that you need to be aware of, that you perhaps need to take some action on by letting people know how you feel. It's, It's this government overreach that we are so familiar with. And especially from the left. And uh, and we're seeing it now in Salt Lake County. And we're seeing it uh, used and weaponized, the, the getting around the law. And I think this is what I oppose more than anything about this whole thing, is that the law is being used... Uh, to, uh, to to for political aims. Now, you might say, well, gee, most laws are political. Yes, to a certain extent. But I want those of you who think initially you may support what the Salt Lake County is trying to do to think about the larger picture. Because uh, if we extrapolate what's happening here, and it deals with gun ownership in this instance. But that's not that's not the overarching uh, principle. The overarching principle is how we get around the law to to foist our own political or philosophical beliefs on someone else in violation of law. I'm saying, what the heck are you talking about? All right, let me tell you what we're talking about. There is a law in this state passed by the legislature that says that basically... No county can produce a law that goes against state law, that we can't have this patchwork, this quilt of laws, especially for something as important as gun ownership and things like that, that in one county it's different than another. Uh, I mean, it would be just mayhem and anarchy if that happened. But so Salt Lake County knows this. 
What they are trying to do is they're trying to close what they call the gun show loophole. And what that means is that you can go to a gun show as a citizen of this country and you can purchase a firearm. Now, what it does do is it does make it easier to purchase there than if you go through the federal background check because you don't have to do that. Well, that sounds like well, that's probably a good idea. Close that loophole. Here's the problem. There is a philosophy in this world, and if you take a philosophy class, you'll learn about the straw man argument. And what that is, is you set up a fake argument, and then you set up a solution to that fake argument. Well, what we have here is Salt Lake County trying to do the same thing. Now, Salt Lake County owns a couple of buildings that are used for gun shows. The biggest one, of course, is what used to be the Southtown Expo Center. I think it's the Maverick. Uh, Mountain America. Mountain America. Mountain America Expo Center now, out on, uh, what, 9400 South and... and uh, uh, and State Street. That's where the Crossroads of the West and the um, and the, the larger gun shows are typically held because it is a building that that works for that. The problem is it's owned by the county, but it is managed by a private entity that the county employs. And so what the Salt Lake County has done in their attempt to, quote unquote, close this gun show loophole is they have decided to let or actually mandate the uh, the private entity that runs the operation for them to require that um, the, the vendors now no longer be allowed to sell guns the way they have in the past. That you're going to have to go through background checks, and basically it'll be the same thing as buying it at any other uh, gun dealership or any other gun show. And again, you say, "Well, that sounds like a pretty good idea." You know, we don't want these we don't want these people with mental problems owning guns, and we we don't want people uh, criminals coming in and not having to pass background checks and yet being able to buy a gun. Problem is, it doesn't happen. Problem is that doesn't happen. If if we had the need and we could prove that guns that are bought through gun shows and things like this without background checks are causing crime, then maybe you've got an argument. You still fly in the face, by the way, of state law, because state law, the legislature has said you can't do this. But at least philosophically, you might be able to make the argument that, well, in the in the interest of the, the general public safety, we're going to do this. But you can't even show it by the numbers. So with that as an introduction, and I hope it's correct, and if it isn't, I'm going to be corrected because Clark Opposian joins me in studio now. Clark, first of all, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, A fair assessment of what's being proposed and and what we have to deal with right now? I think it's a very accurate and fair assessment of the exigency of this, yes. And and we actually, this is bigger than background checks. This is so much bigger. It's about the process. And you know, uh, the public... The citizens, the folks listening to your show right now are expected to have a trust in our government, our state, our local, that type of stuff, including our county government. And we give, you know, if to that end, we give our elected officials, our appointed officials and our bureaucrats a, a lot of leeway in their actions. And we even give them immunity under a very specific code, the Utah Governmental Immunity Act. So in return, you know, we expect something. We expect them to, one, know the law. We expect them to be examples of obeying the law. We don't expect them, as is the case in this case, to go through and engage in in great leaps of interpretation of the code, discounting what is the obvious intent of the legislature. In fact, you know, we've all read, had, had the occasion from time to time to read state statute, and it's kind of confusing. And it's, you know, it's, it's written by attorneys, attorney attorneys, you know, and, and I get that. But you know what? I'll tell you, 
I, I defy anyone. Just Google this. 7610500. 76-10-500 or 53-5A-102. I know that's a lot, but you can just Google it and it'll automatically come up. I think that the first one is a mathematical equation on Google. And then the second one is the Utah State Legislature. And you can read that code. I defy anyone to read that code and have any illusion that the mayor is operating you know under the law it it specifically says that a municipality cannot do what she's doing um so and you know so it's about the process in fact one of the reporters asked me you know at at a press conference we had uh, monday and said isn't this a good thing i mean aren't background background checks a good thing and so on and so forth and i said you know what that's a great question and it deserves honest debate and you know where it deserves honest debate? Yeah, at the legislature. At the legislature. You know, not in the closed offices, behind the doors of the mayor's office and the DA's office, not allowing the public, nor even the county council, to know about this or have input on it. That was very interesting as well. And and again, is there a problem? Well, you know, if we look at crime in Utah, look at, you know, one metric that everybody uses is deaths. And let's look at gun deaths. About 90% of our gun deaths are suicides. If the mayor wanted to have a real effect on on violent gun violence, as they like to call it, but they include suicide in that, then she'd start funding mental health. She'd start funding suicide prevention, which is what Utah Shooting Sports Council has been doing, and we sit on all the boards for the last seven years, and we're making some great headway. We work with the legislature. We work with the suicide prevention coordinator, and this is obviously political pandering. This is obviously a sideshow meant to distract and say, hey, look at what we're doing. We do not have that problem. In fact, I asked the mayor. I asked the DA specifically. Tell me a problem. Tell me a problem, even an an, 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 an anecdotal problem that we've had with a person purchasing a firearm, private sale at a gun show that was later used in a crime. She couldn't come up with one, and the DA couldn't come up with one. You know, and I, and obviously, I mean, I think that is a huge, a huge problem. But let me let me extrapolate this, or let me expand this. A few years ago, we had the uh, the county clerk in Kentucky that would not issue a wedding, uh, a marriage license to a same-sex couple because it violated her own principles of what she thought was right and moral. So let's take take the judgment out of the issue as to whether she was right or wrong. But let's talk about the action. A public official deciding unilaterally that because of a belief system, whether it be religious, uh, sociological, uh, whatever, that I'm going to impose my personal belief on you as an individual and and refuse to do that. That's what we've got here. We've got a a group of people or maybe just a, a mayor. Uh, who has decided that there is a problem because you can buy a gun without a background check at a gun show. Now, it hasn't resulted in any deaths. It hasn't resulted in any crimes. But I've decided that I want to have control over that. So I am going to go against state law. I am going to decide I'm going to create a situation, but I'm not going to do it up front. I'm going to do it around the back door. Legal gymnastics. I can't do it as a municipality of Salt Lake County. But what I'm saying is, well... While I own the building in Salt Lake County, I have a private company that that does the management for me. So I'm going to have the management company do that. And that's how I get around the state law that prohibits me from being a public entity, i.e. a county, from
from doing this. If you enact it, you want to talk about the Pandora's box that you open. If you allow the county to do this or anybody else to do that as an official of government to to foist again your own philosophy, be it political, sociological, religious, I don't care what it is on the masses because you happen to feel a certain way. And, and it would be different to me, at least, if the problem was was provable. Because I think then you'd have a discussion. But as you point out, that discussion needs to be held in the in the arena in which they are licensed and, and mandated by us as the public to make those laws, not in some in some office with closed doors that someone decides it's going to be a good idea. So I mean, that's the problem laid out. Where are we on the scale of, of having it happen, the spectrum there? Well, right now, the gun show promoters have, you know, because they were held over a barrel. They basically, in fact, I asked the mayor, I said, what if the promoters say, no, they're not going to go with this new provision in the contract? And she said, they won't be allowed. They won't. Then we won't sign the contract. We won't so have they're one. out of business. They're out of business. Or at least in those venues. Exactly. And those are the two, you know, those are the two big gun shows. Right. And that's the biggest venue in in the state. Yeah. You've got Rocky Mountain Gun Show and Crossroads of the West. Crossroads exactly. of the West has been here for I don't know, what, 50 years? Their maybe home base. Northern. I mean, they yeah. have, what, 60, 80 shows a year yeah. of, and they're know, based in the right Western. At, yeah. They're based right in Kaysville. Yeah. So, and, and you know, you point out, point out something very good is that 42 states have seen fit separately and individually to have preemption on firearm laws. And I think it's very telling to look at the states that don't have preemption on firearm laws. Illinois, New York, New Jersey, Hawaii, Massachusetts. Um, these are states that we do not Yeah, what do they have in common, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. They have four of these things crime. belong together. One of these things is, uh, four of these yeah. things are kind of the same, the old Sesame Street thing. Yeah, right. They are crime, they are crime-ridden. They are controlled by the left politically. Uh, they just don't work. Yeah, and 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 you know, they're uh, of those those forty two states. They, like I said, preemption basically protects that the, the the citizen from having in this state alone. Just talking about counties, there are twenty nine counties from having to go through twenty nine different gun laws or requirements, you know, restrictions, that type of thing, as they go from one end of the state to the next. And in fact, the legislature's intent is listed, you know, specifically right at the beginning of those statutes in order to be consistent right. on gun laws. They are preeminent. And you know what the legislature, you know, the legislature gets input. We have elected representatives. We have both the House. House members and Senate, and they're elected from throughout the state, and they're either reelected or the public doesn't like them, and they kick them out. And they guard very jealously those statutes that they have crafted with input from the citizens. What is the mayor Jenny Wilson doing? She is thumbing her nose at the legislature and ultimately at the people that elected those representatives thumbing their nose just like you said that kentucky clerk that thought it was better for her to uh to virtue signal so to speak that she didn't like same-sex marriages regardless of what the supreme court has said well it's the same thing here you are comparing apples to apples very well yeah and, that, and that's my point is i mean i disagree with the premise that uh, that the background checks are going to somehow uh, cut down on crime uh, they they aren't i mean especially in the gun especially from a gun show situation if if you wanted to buy a gun to commit a crime uh for a gun show first of all you have to wait for the gun show it's not like going down to a gun store where they've got guns for sale every day you have to wait so it's not 
it's not going to be an impulse crime like it might be for going down and uh, and purchasing it from a retail outlet. So that's number one. It's not a knee jerk reaction typically because you've got to wait for the gun show to come around. So so. You've got to look at the the perceived problem and decide, is it legitimate or not? If no one can come up with an, with an evidence of, of a crime, anecdotally or, or or anything else, then you have to conclude that probably doesn't it's not that big a deal, especially the size of the deal to uh, to jeopardize one of our basic freedoms. I mean, we're talking about uh, a right granted under the Constitution. People want to talk about the Constitution that's that's in vogue these days uh, with what's going on in Washington. You've got a constitutional right right there that is being tampered with on a single county basis in violation of a state law to supposedly address a problem which you can't prove exists. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that that is not a real good firm foundation to set up the, the action. And then you compound it by saying, if we do this, the ripple effect is going to be something like happened in Kentucky. And while it's gun ownership now, maybe it's same-sex marriage. Maybe it's something that is near and dear to your heart if you're on the left side of the political spectrum, but you've already established the precedent you're really dealing in, a, I think, in a very dangerous area. You know, if you just look at firearms, too, what the mayor has done, if you use the same metric the mayor has used, uh, you know, the same logic for violating this, this statute, she has said, OK, it's background checks now. What would stop her from saying, from having the gun show promoters sign a contract that says there shall be no sales, no sales. of semi-automatic firearms, right. no sales of uh, magazines over 10 rounds or hollow point ammunition or so on and so forth. There's nothing. In fact, we asked the DA about this, the very DA that handles their civil division and said, you know, and he said, well, she's not going to do that. Who, who could tell, right? <laughs> yeah. Would you have agreed that she probably wouldn't do this prior to it actually happening? I mean, there is no guarantee that uh, that someone, once they hit that slippery slope, it's not going. How about if she just said no sale can be consummated for uh, 30 days? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, and, background checks and everything else, and then let's, and then we're going to put a 30-day or 90-day moratorium on any sale that is uh, that is agreed to at a gun show, but, but it cannot change hands for a 30-day or 60-day period. Yeah. There's absolutely nothing to do that, to stop that. Uh, And again, it's the same principle that if there's a law against it happening, apparently it doesn't matter. There's a law against this happening at the state level, but apparently it doesn't have it doesn't matter to some people. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, we are uh, we're working with Representative Corey Malloy, who learned about this through us uh, two or three months ago. We've already got a bill ready to go that will, one, provide a penalty for a county official that does this and. If there was any confusion whatsoever, we're going to tighten up the language if there if there was any confusion. But, you know, for those for those listeners who haven't been to a gun show, it's not a free for all. It's not a twilight. There is paperwork. There is. There are every single state and federal firearm law for transaction, whether it be through a private seller or an FF, a federal firearms license gun dealer, apply inside a gun show the exact same as if you were in their shop, in their brick and mortar store or anything like that, every single one. And for those folks that haven't been to a gun show, there's not really that many. It's really few and far between the number of people that are privately selling a firearm. I I see, in fact, there are some gun shows I'll walk through, I'll, I won't see anybody privately selling a gun. But occasionally you'll see somebody um, with, with a little sign on their back saying, you know, hey, I've got a Remington 270, you know, rifle for sale for 300 bucks or whatever like that. And those people actually, in my experience, already require that 
whoever they sell it to, now you, you got to have a concealed carry permit. They, they want to cover their own butt. And they'll say, well, you got to show me at least your concealed carry permit. One, that proves that they've had a background check. Right. Two, it proves that they're a Utah, you know, if Resident, it has any address yeah. in that. And But there are still laws that pertain to, you know, uh, federal laws and state laws that pertain to the private transactions as well. Well, let me ask you the mechanics of the proposal that she has done. Um, how how would that such a thing happen? I mean, okay, so I come into your your booth and you want to sell a, a firearm. Uh, I don't show you my my concealed carry. I've got one, but but I don't show it to you anyway. So I come in and I say, okay, Clark, listen, I'd love to buy um, I'd love to buy that uh, that, that Glock forty five that you or nine millimeter you've got right there. Um, you say to me what? Now is this under the new law? No, under this the is new. The, yeah, right yes, now, yeah, the yes, no. This is under this is under how she would propose that this okay. transaction so be conducted. So if I didn't want to get kicked out of the gun show as a vendor, um, which I could be kicked out, it wouldn't be breaking a law, but it would be breaking their, their the rules. Or, you know, yeah. their, I'd be trespassing at this point as a vendor for not obeying their rules. Um, I'd say, you know what, as far as I understand, I'd say, okay, well, let's get started on your 4473 transfer of firearm form. And maybe they'll sell to me. Say to me, well, uh, you know, I thought you were a, pri- I thought you were a, a private seller. I am, but I have to pretend like I'm a, a federal firearm licensed gun dealer um, for the rules of the show. And then we would have to find an FFL, a federal firearms licensed gun dealer, in the show, which that's where 99 percent of the people selling guns are. And they would have to then take that firearm and put it into their book what they call their bound book, their acquisition and disposition book with the name, serial number, make, model, caliber, everything about that. And then take your 4473, then they call through Nix or Utah BCI and uh, get the approval or disapproval. And if they get the approval, then they can do that. Then they have to transfer it out of their book <laughs> and give it to you. Do you think they're going to do that free? That's going to take about 15 to 25 minutes. Yeah, I was going to say, and, and talk to me about, I mean, gun shows are held sometimes quite frequently on weekends. Uh, does that does that slow the process? Does that hinder the process? Oh, my gosh, yeah. They're, they're, in the, they're trying to sell guns. They're trying to sell their own guns, you know, an FFL is. And then somebody comes to them with a gun. They have no, you know, they have no, no vested interest in it. Right. So they're going to charge you minimum 30 bucks. Now, I have heard in some states where they, they do this, it's $125 to transfer that. Because of the time and which the extra works paperwork. exactly the way the people who pass the law want. They want they, they, make no mistake about it, folks. The goal is to not have guns be sold. I mean, the gun, the, the fact that guns are on the market is the goal. The goal is to get them off the market. If you have to pay an extra hundred bucks, then they figure that's going to cut down. You know, it's the same thing with Obama and the and the ammunition uh, uh, situation that he that he perpetrated on the rest of us. If they can't get ammunition, there's no reason to have a gun. Therefore, we can get rid of more and more guns. And and you know what? And if you ask me, though, and you say this at private sale, and I say, hey, listen, if you don't want to go through all this, you know, and, and you've shown me your concealed carry permit or whatever like that, I just sell- all I have to do is say, hey, you know what? Meet, yeah. I'm gonna t- meet me out on the sidewalk. Meet me out in the parking lot. Yeah, someplace off property. Yeah. And actually, just outside of the least area of the gun show, which is basically the venue itself, but not the parking lot. Okay. Because the parking lot is shared, you know, with different uh, different vendors. So, um, and, and just meet out there. Yeah. So, so again. And is that where we want these transactions well, to take place? Is that on the sidewalk? That's exactly right. My point is that that is the same philosophy, the gymnastics of, of parsing, you know, specific requirements to get around the intent and that's exactly and and people can look at that and say well that's boy that shows me no character well wait a minute 
that's a response to the same principle that has been entered into with us. And that is, we got a law. How do we get around it? Well, we get around it by saying, yeah, it's our building. We can't do it legally, but we can sure hire a private management company that we can require them to require you to do it. And now, hey, it's not us. It's the uh, it's the private management company. So where does it sit? I mean, obviously, you've got it, it's a lot it goes into effect January 1 the, right. the date of the new contract with the uh, with the gun show but you've got promoters. you've got the legislature but uh, the legislature that begins on the 25th 26th of the of January right actually we'll John, John M. Browning's birthday we'll consider uh, this and uh, we we've already got a bill it's got a it'll have a very low number which means the lower the number the more likely it is to be heard and uh, we've got a great representative, Corey Malloy, that's going to be running that bill. We've got, um, you know, committee chairs on board with this, uh, with the committees that is likely to be held in, in the House. And so, yeah, we'll we'll get it done. And but it's it's sad that we have to use the taxpayers time and the taxpayers money to to say, hey, you know, this law that we already have on the books, that's already clear um, when I make another law to it. To really say we really mean that this law is yeah. the law you know the interesting thing i salt lake city i could see salt lake city this being the, the genesis of it i mean salt lake city has got a little bit different makeup obviously uh politically and philosophically than uh, than salt lake county um i'm surprised at, at some level i'm surprised with salt lake county that they would do this um unfortunately not completely surprised but it has a better chance, I would think, Salt Lake City would have a much better chance of being the, the starting point for this in Salt Lake County. But they County. don't have gun shows within but the city. But they don't have any gun shows within the city themselves. And, and you know, I, find right. it, I find it interesting that the mayor, this is a substantive change in policy. I mean, this is big. This isn't just some minor alteration to a contract that, uh, you know, they're going to add in. This is a huge, and she purposefully did not inform, let alone bring this up for a vote between the council members. It was snuck in the back door. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, again, if you look at how it was conducted, not necessarily even how it was not not talked about, the fact that it was end run around an existing state law has to show you that, uh, number one, they knew that there was a problem with it to begin with, it, that it didn't fit in terms of how it should have been done. Uh, the, the methodology was not right. Uh, and they had to know that based on how they've uh, acted with the whole thing. They, I don't know how they thought they could get away with it. Well, though. More, more to your point. Guess what? Guess when they sent out the notice for the press conference? They had known about the press conference at least from the th- uh, the third or fifth of December. They held it on the sixteenth. They sent out the press conference notice to the press at ten twenty two p.m. Sunday night, the wow. night before. The, the morning of the press conference. Yeah. So what are the chances? I mean, I've been in enough newsrooms and so have you to know Sunday night at 1030, you know, getting a reporter, setting up a camera, if it's going to be television or whatever on a Sunday night that late. Uh, yeah. Your attendance is not going to be it's it's not going to be what it could be uh, and probably would be given the uh, the magnitude of the of the right. whole situation. They didn't let any of the uh, opponents to this into the press conference, even though it's held in a public building in the DA's office, Salt Lake County DA's office, didn't hold it at the uh, at, at the county council uh, or the at the county offices and uh, we had probably done a little close to 20 people show up even the, you know through our network and they took off work or whatever and they showed up at 10 10 30 or t- 10 o'clock in the morning and they weren't allowed into the building they weren't allowed into that press conference there was plenty of room there was probably at least 25 extra seats inside there I barely got in because I had a lot of my press badge and you know I don't know if that was the reason but uh, they only allowed press in they wouldn't allow any of the public in 
Wow. Well, folks, uh, again, we just want to let you know what's going on with your taxpayer dollars and with the people that uh, here in Salt Lake County, you elected. Uh, the state of Utah has set a law. That law was there for a very specific purpose, exactly this purpose. So there's not a patchwork or quilt of, of varying laws, especially on something as important as gun ownership. This is not one of those minor things that, you know, one, one uh, I mean, we went through, what, a couple of uh, months ago or a year ago, uh, setting up the street legal situation for ATV so that there wasn't one area uh, where you couldn't use them street legal or the uh, or it was set up such that the speed limit was such that they they made it impossible for you to use their roads. I think that was Salt, gee, Salt Lake County, I think. Um, so, I mean, you're talking about a constitutional right here, the Second Amendment. It's a big deal. Uh, and, and I think Evidence of the fact that the other side knows it's a big deal is the way they've conducted themselves. It has not been above board. It has not been with integrity. And hopefully it'll get smacked down the way it should be at the legislative level. So we hope so. Thanks for having me on. Clark, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Utah Shooting Sports Council. If you want to get involved, gun rights issues, the Utah Shooting Sports Council uh, is is a place, I think, for uh, those who enjoy firearms, enjoy shooting sports, uh, and also want to be part of the political process. Is there a way that they can reach you? Is there a website? UtahShootingSportsCouncil.org. Utah okay. I, I know it's the longest website ever. <laughs> UtahShootingSportsCouncil.org, or just Google Utah Shooting Sports Council. You'll find us. Okay. Again, Clark Aposian, who is the, uh, the director of that. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, good luck to you, and uh, don't be a stranger. We'd like to keep informed as to what's going on. Thanks very much. All right, we'll take a break. We'll step aside. We'll be back. When we come back, we're going to talk with George Summer and Gary Winterton as we roll on on this Saturday morning. Back here this Saturday morning and inside the outdoors. I want to thank Clark Aposian for the uh, for joining us this last segment. Uh, it is a huge issue. It is a big issue. If you you don't have to just be a gun rights person to be worried about this. You've got to be a civil libertarian, basically, that someone could abscond with with your rights to uh, to your politics, your religion, uh, just social issues, whatever you want. And they can just flaunt a law that has already been passed at the state level. So anyway, think about that and um, check out UtahShootingSportsCouncil.org if you want to find out more about it. Meantime, let's um, pivot and talk about fishing because George Summer joins us. George, who spent his week Christmas shopping but um, at least has got his ear to the ground and knows a little bit about what's going on with our waters. George, how are you doing? First of all, uh, have you gotten everything ready? Because it's coming up a couple of days. <laughs> I I do have everything ready. Good. Um, but it, uh, you know, I spent most of my time off trying to, now what do I get so-and-so? <laughs> what do I get so-and-so? Where do I get it? And, uh, you know, find the find all came together and got it all squared away and, and uh um, that part's done, and now I can focus on good. You know, once we get past Christmas, and then I'm going fishing. All right, that sounds good. So let's talk about some waters. Uh, what have you heard this week, and what well, and, I, and what I, would I've you heard, suggest? Well, what I would suggest is, you know, some of the higher elevation waters are, are frozen and have fake buys. Um I know I got a, a report from a good friend. They went to Red Creek, um, and they were by themselves. Now, the fish aren't big there, but the ice was safe. Um now, I, I saw some reports from Mud Creek on strawberry. Um, I'm not that brave. So, <laughs> or um, stupid. But they, yeah, yeah, but they were catching fish. They actually had a tent up and everything, and they were catching fish. And, and I saw a couple of reports of people catching fish at Mud Creek. So strawberry, just so everybody knows, strawberry's not there yet. Um, 
it hasn't even capped yet because the wind keeps blowing. Surprise, surprise. But <laughs> right. you know, once it caps, it, yeah, it'll, it'll build ice uh, typically an inch a day once it caps. Um, but we've got some other waters, uh, echoes coming on, uh, East Canyon. I mean, they're, they're close and always at this time of year use caution. Um, and then I, you know, I got a report that, uh, that there's some ice on Manaway. It's kind of sketchy. Um, but, uh, you know, but we, these cold temperatures we've had all week, I think we'll, we'll firm that stuff up. Just everybody use caution at this time of year. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And there are still some open waters. If you, As I mentioned at the top of the show, if you want to put the boat on, uh, you're not completely out of luck. There are some places you can still find soft water. Exactly, you know, and, and I don't think, I think Derek uh, probably has some skim around the edges. Yeah. Still launch a boat. Um, uh, Jordan Nail, well, Jordan Nail, last time I went there, the personal watercraft ramp had, was open, but the other side had skiff, you know, skim, that skim ice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, you know, depending on what's happening. But, you know, if you want to go down south, Sand Hollow, um, the fish are a little deep, but there's fish to be caught. Yeah, absolutely, and of course, uh, Gunlock is coming on too down there. I'm I'm so excited for spring because I think Gunlock is going to be producing. That's the next big bass water in this state. It, it is, you know, and and not just big bass, the big crappie as well. Yeah. Um. So, uh, you know, Gunlock. That's that's the first place I went bass fishing. Um, on my own. Yeah. Outside of Lake Powell was Gunlock, and and you know that back in the old days. Before people took everything home, huge fish. I mean, that was the place to catch the state record. Yeah, it, it was in there, um, and, and I heard untold numbers of stories of eight to ten to eleven pound bass in Gunlock. Yeah, I fished, uh, and I think I've told the story here. I fished with Bobby Garland when he developed uh, the spider jig before he developed the Gitsit um, when he was living there in Washington. And he developed a spider jig in the late 70s and fished with him on Gunlock. And boy, I'll tell you what, <laughs> there was some big, big fish then. And I really didn't know what I was doing much, um, but I was a quick study and I watched him. And man, you know, he was sticking big bass every cast. So to have that water come back, I mean, that's my fond memory of that place. So to have it come back again would be, uh, you know, just as far as I'm concerned, one of the real great fishery success stories from the state. Exactly, and I I couldn't agree more. It's it's a, you know, so now we've got the triad down there of, of mm-hmm. big bass waters. We've got you know Coil Creek, uh, Sand Hollow, and now Gunlock's back online. Yeah. And as long as people don't mess it up, um, we can keep Gunlock as as a big bass water. You know, if they just quit moving illegally moving fish. Um, they're managing it as, as bass waters. So let's keep it that way. It's largemouth bass water. Yeah, and and you know it's not like the old days, and not that there was ever really a justification of midnight planning. But it's not like the old days when you didn't have uh, a voice with the state. They listen, and they've responded over the last ten or fifteen years, in particular, to to input from anglers. I mean, they have taken a look when you've got a suggestion for a water for a species. They've done their their due diligence and looked at it and said, okay, what will this take? And what will it do from a from an environmental standpoint, an ecosystem standpoint, if we add this? And I think they've been extremely responsive to anglers' uh, uh, requests for for different species in different waters. You're 100 percent right. You know, back in the olden days when we had a lot of conflicts, <laughs> they, they didn't want to manage. You mean the trout stamp days before. when you had to buy a trout stamp? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, we remember that. A lot yes. of people are like, "What's a trout stamp?" Yeah, you know? right. 
but uh, you know they, they didn't want to manage warm water species especially bass and and, and it's come 180 a full circle yep. because now they're they're managing warm water species um, in a lot of places that's our future um, is warm water species and they're managing bass and and we're seeing more bass waters and I, and I think you know something pops with Utah Lake Utah Lake is probably the most underserved, oh, absolutely more water fishery we have. If we could ever get around the federal regs that would let us do some dredging in that and some uh, maintenance around the, you know, get some of that that uh, the stuff, the fragmites and stuff, and the things that are on the the shoreline that are keeping the get down. Utah Lake is such an untapped jewel. I can't believe it. So, just got to hope we can uh, slowly make some inroads onto those those federal regulations. George, hey, thanks for joining us this Saturday morning, and uh, the best to you and your family. Have a great Christmas, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you next week. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Ah, yes, we know what that means. That means the Ginger Ninja himself is on the phone. Canelo has joined us, and um, so we're going to talk fishing, and we're going to talk about flashback time again for tonight's program, Inside the Outdoors. Absolutely, dude. It's great to be with you. And can you believe we are just days away from one of the most exciting days of the year? Well, is is that when you buy your new fishing license? Is that what that is? I know something coming up. It's the release of Star Wars. No, I'm kidding. Christmas. (laughs) No, I knew knew you were coming up with something because you've got all the Christmas stuff planned. But tonight, we're going to go back. And, uh, you know, it's amazing to me that there's still so much to learn in the outdoors. And I know you feel this way, but you had a chance on a show this year that really opened not only your eyes, but I think a lot of eyes around the state for one of our more popular waters. Uh, and yet looking at a, maybe a new target that people hadn't thought about before. And that's tonight's show. Yeah. You know, I was curious over the last couple of years to see what happened as the fisheries de- um, department for the division began introducing wiper into Jordanelle. You know, they've been introducing wiper, kokanee, and tiger muskie uh, into that fishery. And you and I have discussed many times before about how uh, the bass fishery used to be epic, and it's kind of changed over time, but their plan in adding some of these additional predators is to actually help the bass fishery. But the big surprise for me, and this is my holiday surprise flashback show, is the, the fact that the wiper were there in in numbers and good size and how we caught them. It, it was a truly one of the most um, exciting adventures, you know, and we only filmed for about two hours, and that's all we were there, and we caught, each of us probably caught 40 wipers to 50 wipers a person. It was unreal. And, and the size of the fish, I mean, the growth rate in that reservoir has been terrific for them. Yeah, you know, they were they were ranging anywhere from 12 to, say, 16 inches. And that, I would give that from a half a pound to pushing two pounds. Now, what does that mean for next year? I, I'll bet we see fish in the range of three to four pounds. Yeah. And, and you know that they're catching netting wiper in some of the other lakes pushing four, five, six, seven pounds. And so I'm really excited about it. And and be, you know, we ended up catching them doing some baiting techniques, which for Jordanelle is legal. And any reservoir you fish, read the proclamation, make sure what you're doing is correct. Um, but we ended up catching smallmouth and wiper um, just using bait uh, anchored up. And that was the cool thing. We went and found a rocky point, 30 feet of water, and they came through in schools. 
And you'll see this on the show. We actually show you the graph in our Lund boat uh, for Rogers Performance Marine, and you'll see that these schools, once they got going, the school just grew and grew and grew. And mixed in there were smallmouth and wiper. And, Steve, I'm so excited for this next year to see what has transpired in six to eight months in terms of growth. And then I think by fall of next year, wow, it's going to be epic. I'm excited about it, and I think anybody who uh, you know usually gets to Jordan L and hasn't fished wiper is going to look at that and go, "Hey, guess what? Yeah, it's great to catch for, uh, obviously the trout, and it's great to catch the kokanee, but I got another target fish up there now that I can go after besides the smallmouth and, and maybe some tiger muskie as well. This wiper is going to be, I think, one of the new signature fish for Jordan L. Well, listen, my friend, uh, I'll let you go this morning. I want to wish you and your family a merry Christmas. I hope you have a good one and i'm looking forward to uh, getting together in the new year but tonight on hooked on utah 1105 right after talking sports on KUTV channel 2 wiper fishing at jordan l should be good it's gonna be a great one merry christmas to you steve your family everybody um out there have a wonderful safe holiday and we'll see you guys next week all right gary thanks gonna step aside we'll be back final thoughts on this uh, pre-christmas show coming up in just a moment And we are back. Boy, the hour has gone. Well, we took a long time in that first segment with Clark Aposian, our in-studio guest. I want to thank Clark with uh, keeping us abreast of what's going on with Salt Lake County and the gun show. Um, you know, it sounds so ominous, the gun show loophole. Um, it's not a loophole at all. It's a situation that has really served the majority of states in this country for a long, long time, and there's no evidence, especially here in the state of Utah, that it is changing as far as the behavior or the sociology of gun ownership because of anything that is is or is not happening at gun shows. And more importantly than that, at least in my mind, is that there is a state law that covers this, and it's been circumvented with uh, uh, surreptitious methods. It has been end-run, and uh, the way it stands right now, Salt Lake County has made an end-run around it. I think you're going to see the legislature in the upcoming session that's going to solve this problem, and uh, and they're going to get slapped down because it just isn't going to be uh, something that I don't think the legislature is going to let exist for much longer. So, uh, again, remember... Remember, this is a ballot box, too, folks, next time. Remember remember the concept, if nothing else, the concept that, hey, state law doesn't mean anything, okay? If we have a, our own political philosophy or our own sociological philosophy or our own religious philosophy, it doesn't matter what the state law says. We can get around it. There's always going to be the loophole. By the way, the loophole is not the gun, the the, uh, the gun sales situation, the gun show loophole. The loophole is the fact that the, uh, the Salt Lake County figured out that in our county-owned building, which is owned by you, me, and everybody else who pays taxes in Salt Lake County, that that county-owned building can be turned into someone's political statement or sociological statement by hiring a private enterprise to manage it and then throwing the blame on them. Well, it's, you know, they're the ones who came up with it, not us. That's garbage, folks. Throw them under the bus. That's garbage. It came from the county. Make no mistake about it. It came from Jenny Wilson's office, and, uh, and it came from the county, and it was an end run around law, around state law. So when it comes time to go to the ballot box, remember that. And remember that you might agree with it philosophically this time. Maybe you want to close what's called the gun show loophole. But what happens when it's your, it's your right? 
What happens the way it was in Kentucky when it was a matter of, of marriage? Or what happens if it's going to be a matter of, uh, of a religious uh, dogma? Do you want, you really want your government to be able to end run this by simply throwing it onto a private enterprise, hiring somebody to, uh, to manage their building and then saying, well, they're private. They can do it. They can, they can require it if they want. Well, they didn't want. They just got told that's what they're going to do. If you want to keep the contract as the management for, for the, uh, the expo center, then you better do what we tell you. So it's a classic example of Big Brother. So thanks to Clark Opposian for uh, coming in and talking about it. And we'll keep a close eye on what happens at the legislature because this thing does go into effect January 1. So we'll see what happens with it and, uh, and with the gun shows. Uh, my thanks to Gary and to George, for, not only for joining us this week, but for all year long. Uh, and, of course, we will have the post-holiday, post-Christmas program next Saturday morning between 8 and 9 o'clock right here on 97.5 The Zone. But until then... Thank you for joining us this week and every week. Have a great Christmas. Hope your family is close by. Um, I hope you just enjoy the holiday season and hopefully the good spirit that is involved. So until next Saturday, take care, everybody. Enjoy the outdoors.